0: Shavuot of Gemar tova to everyone. It's Motse Shabbat and Efrat, Shabbat Azino. And we're less than a day away from, from the beautiful, holy, and inviting day of Yom Kippur. And Mehmet Meh we wish my wife and I and my family wishing you all Gemar Khatim Tovah. We should all be blessed to be written and inscribed in a book of real living, really feeling alive this year, and feeling healthy. And this is an attempt to recap this Shabbos afternoon's Shabbos Shuvah Jerashah. And I'm quite aware that the title, um, that when we sent it out, we only sent out the title on Thursday, and the amount of comments just about the title of the shir was overwhelming. And the title being the centrality of mental health in our Shuvah. So... What I first am going to be doing is explaining what this shear is not about, what this dress is not about. Because I realized that once the sheer once the word got out about the title, people were rightfully so under the assumption that a lot of what we're going to be speaking about is today's crisis in the world of mental health, and it's no chidush that it's a crisis. But it's also no kiddush that these are things that should be speaking be speaking about every single day, and not dafka shabes shuvah but every single day. And further, these are very personal and intimate pratim uh, details that each person goes through when it comes to their struggles with mental health. But Hashem, I've surrounded myself with a network of of rabbanim, uh, teachers, psychologists, and psychiatrists. That are very deeply involved in breaking any stigma raising the awareness of mental health issues within the community and as i said earlier today in shul for anyone who needs any type of help in this field it's not that i'm happy to help because it's not a it's, it's a painful thing but we are here to navigate to help navigate the system and to provide as much guidance in this very uh, very serious matter which is the world of mental health which is when it comes to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we're all triggered all of us those that suffer greatly from mental health issues and those that just suffer from I guess lower levels of anxiety and stress, pichlal in life so what the shir, what the jresha is not about is necessarily what should we do as a community regarding mental health issues? Those are dvarim she'bechol yom which should be addressed. What the sheir is also not about is the following story. That's right. It's not about the following story. And it's a story I just saw recently about someone noticing that Reb Naftali of Rupshitz was uh, accustomed to cutting his nails after he would immerse in the mikveh. And Everyone thought, a uh, Talmud that noticed this knew that you're supposed to cut your nails before you go into a mikvah. Somehow he had the Adasri to go up to Rav Taliyah Rapshitz and ask him, Rebbe, understand, what, what's the Indian? Why does, why does, why does Rebbe cut his nails only after he goes to the mikvah? So he had the Rapshitz, he says to him, I want you to go and fast for three days Daven your eye, daven your heart out, mamish. Give your heart and soul. Daven for three days, fast for three days, and then come back to me, and I'll reveal to you the secret. That's what the chassid does. He goes for three days, he fasts, he's davening, oh. and then he comes back to the rabbishtzer and he says, "Okay, I'm ready to to learn of the secret." And the rabbishtzer says to him, "Okay, let me tell you what I the reason." Why I cut my nails after I tovel, after I immerse myself in the mikveh, is because my nails get softer after they're in water, and it's easier for me to cut my nails after I tovel as opposed to before. Now, why why am I saying that this is what the shear is not, this isn't what the shear is about? It's because there is an approach in the world of mental health. Boruch Hashem, it's not such a strong approach because I think it's proven to not be an effective one, and at times even be more damaging. Is that when we try to lower the stress and anxiety that people are feeling, we just, when it comes to religious matters or spiritual matters, all we say to them is, "Listen, God doesn't want you to suffer. Just whatever. It's not a big deal. Um, do what you can, and it's fine. And just move on. Don't make such, Don't think about it too much. Don't make such a big deal." Let's take Yom Kippur as an example. I don't feel comfortable saying to anyone, suffering or not suffering, listen, Yom Kippur is not such a big deal. It is a big deal. Of course it's a big deal. But it doesn't mean that approaching Yom Kippur can't be done in the healthiest, calming manner as well. And that is what this year is about. This year is about understanding through halacha how there are certain matters of kedusha, of holiness and of purity that we need to redefine for ourselves. Hare, it's very clear that we all want to finally feel that we reach the level that we're changed beings. The chatterbox, the mental chatterbox doesn't stop for a second, saying, I, will I finally get it together? Am I finally going to overcome this? Can I actually say today that I'm really different than yesterday? How long is this Yom Kippur High going to last? So before we even go in it, we're already calculating how, far, how, how fast we're going to crash. It's because as much as we don't want to admit it, we do have an all or nothing attitude and that is because in halachic statuses there are all or nothing statuses, especially when it comes to something that's either kosher or not kosher. Tahor or tameh, pure or impure. Kodesh and chol, mundane versus sacred. And therefore what we have to do is to try to understand for the sake of our mental balance, a calm and focused approach. How most of us can grasp onto a certain way that can lead us towards this last few minutes in Asayati in the healthiest manner. Most studies that we that are out today <clears throat> show that the majority of people today do suffer from some certain levels of anxiety and stress which are of course correlated in one way or another to mental health issues within orthodox communities or, or more observant communities in general these numbers sometimes get to get they tend to get even higher because of the, of the added stress which is a, pro, a produce of of, of of the spiritual angst that, that many of us live in it may be coming from somewhat of a good place but it's definitely it's definitely misguided or perhaps misrooted and all we're trying to do for the next few minutes is to discover a new path a new path which will make us feel mentally stable and healthy as healthy as possible approaching this very serious day called Yom Kippur so the Rebbe of Yom Kippur is Rabbi Akiva? He is the Rebbe of our lives, really. But he he has a very big makom at the Yom Kippur t- tish, if you will. Um, th- there are many different places within Yom Kippur where Rabbi Akiva comes to life. We begin we begin Yom Kippur by saying or the Simcha, and then we have a, some kind of Sofei tevos there. We spell out the name Akiva. Um, Yom Kippur is also the time where we mention the ten holy martyrs. Asarei Harugea Malchut, which uh, and a avoda, which of course Rabbi Akiva is there, and bichlal when it comes to talking about purity in Yom Kippur, it was Amar Rabbi Akiva. It became a famous niggun. Amar Rabbi Akiva mm-hmm. Ashrechem Yisrael. Lifnei mi atem metaharim, uimetarechem. Rabbi Akiva said, "Wow, praiseworthy are you, Am Yisrael. Before you, who have you? Before who do you come?" Uh, and and purify yourself. Who is the one that's purifying you? It's your father in Shemaim. says the famous Mishnah towards the end of Masachet Yuma umi And we know that Rabbi Akiva continues and he brings psukim to prove his point that it's Hashem that purifies us. Ve'omer Hashem. He quotes from Yemea and just like a mikveh purifies the impured, God purifies Am Yisrael. We also know that this is a very famous nigun. It's become a very famous nigun over the years. What is it exactly that Rabbi Akiva is telling us? Because he's about to show us that he's providing for us the clearest path of mental health in the world of tshuva. So we have two questions on Rabbi Akiva's famous statement. The first one is a very obvious one. What's the chiddush? What are you telling me, Rabbi Akiva? What are you, what's, what's new in what you're saying? Like You're, you're saying that uh, the mikveh is... is uh, you're saying that Hashem is the one that purifies us? I mean, I, I kind of knew that any form of tahara, any form of purity... It's become pure, it's from Hashem. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu was the one that gave me the Torah probably like 13, 1,400 years before Rabbi Akiva. So what is Rabbi Akiva's chiddush by telling me all this in the Mishnah? And the second point's question is that if Rabbi is trying to prove something, we always know that if you're able to prove something from a pasuk in the Torah, as opposed to a pasuk from the prophets, from the neviim, of course you're going to want to go to the Torah to bring a proof, and yet Rabbi Akiva chooses to prove that purity happens from Hashem, from a pasuk from Yemiah and Navi about a mikveh maha mikveh about the mikve Israel Hashem, just like the mikvah purifies the impure, the God purifies us, because, Yemiyahu, because. Rabbi Akiva, you should have brought the Pasuk from the Torah in Parshat Aharimot, which is a Pasuk we're going to be saying over and over again over Yom Kippur. Ki hazeh mikol Hashem Like it says in Parshat Aharimot, on this day of Yom Kippur, Hashem will purify you from all of your impurities Hashem Titaru. You're going to become pure before Hashem. And Rabbi Akiva chooses to use a Pesach from Yirmiyao. So these questions were raised on a very, very holy night, a powerful night, on the sixth day of Tishrei, 1971. Sorry, 1970. Tafshin Lamid Aleph Vav Tishrei in Crown Heights in Brooklyn by the Lubavitcher Rabbi Nishma Eden. The sixth day of Tishrei is the yurtzeit of the Rebbe's mother. She passed away in, I believe, 1964. And this was her sixth yurtzeit. And the Rebbe had a minlag that on sites of certain individuals in his family, there would always be a siyum. Sometimes there were pretty big on, on maybe like hoshas or sets of babli or shalmi. Sometimes it was just individual masechtas. And on that year, in nineteen seventy, in Crown Heights, the seum that the Rebbe was doing was on Yoma, which is all about the avoda of the kohen gadol. In the middle of the farbrengen of the of the heat of these the, the Rebbe did a but he did a, a long, amazing, powerful sicha all about that, the Mishnah that we quoted before about Amar Rabbi Akiva, Ashrechem Yisrael a fascinating, incredible, long piece which I encourage everyone to find because what the Rebbe does with every single word in that Mishnah is just incredible but I would like to take you to the to the end of that Fabrengen the end of the Fabrengen is basically addressing the two questions that we brought up right now what's Rebbe Akiva's Chiddush and why doesn't he prove it from the Torah why does he try to prove this thing of purification before Hashem from Hashem from the Navi, and the Rebbe takes us to a, a very interesting uh, piece where he asks if you sing that niggun to yourself, what seemed to be two words that seemed to be meyutar, meaning not needed, that you could get a, you didn't need to have it in the Mishnah. And remember, the Rambam says that every word in the Mishnah is exactly needed, every single word of a Mishnah. There's nothing meyutar, nothing. There's nothing extra in a Mishnah. And this is also how um, I guess the way the Gemara was formed I mean, what's the Gemara? the Gemara is a bunch of our holy sages you know trying to decipher and figure out why the Mishnah uses a certain language why maybe at times it omits a certain language or a certain word so this is really what's going on and this is what the Gemara is all about trying to make sure what every word in the Mishnah is the Rebbe says it seems that there are two words that are missing that are meyutar in this in this mishnah so in the in the, the she'er earlier today and shul I asked everyone to look it was in front of them look at the mishnah and if you have this piece you can open up in front of you umre be akiva shrei khem israel lifne me'ate metal mi metal hetrema vechem sheba shamayim ve'omer mikve israel shema mikve metayesat mem af kadosh bo'enu metayes <laughs> israel the Rebbe points out that the two words that seem to be miyutar, not needed, are the words et hatme'im. Ma et hatme'im, af ha-kadosh Yisrael. Why does it have to say the mikveh purifies the impure? Well, of course it purifies the impure. What is it, it? purifies the pure? It could have said, ma ha-mikveh mitahir, af ha-kadosh Israel. Yisrael. So, Having said that, let's understand what the Mishnah is trying to tell us with these two extra, extra, seemingly extra words, et atmeim. And this is a, a some very interesting halacha. The shaila is like this. We have, in the world of halacha, a few different levels of tumah. A low level, what's called a tumah kala, a light level of tumah, of impurity, is called tumat sheretz it's the Tumah of um, uh, an ach- I, the pasuk is the Chelet, the Tinshamet uh, I guess you would call them uh, it's once a day like Jukim if you know what I mean the Tumah of a Sheretz is, is a very light Tumah and it lasts the Tumah, once you tovel in the Mikvah the Tumah lasts for one day one day you wait till the, the sun sets it's called a Tzvul Yom, and then Har Lev The night comes, and you're you're already pure again. That's a low. That's what's called a light level, a light a light level of, of, of uh, impurity. Tumah Kala. There's a pasuk in Pashat Chukat, right around the story of the Paraduma, the Red Heifer, where it says Hanogeah bemet ne- adam, shivat yamim. That anyone that comes in contact with a dead corpse, with someone that's dead, that kind of a tumma is a tuma chamura. That's more of a, that's a heightened level of impurity. And a person must then become tame for seven days. Seven days. So, tuma, again, lower level of tumma, one day process, tumat met, seven day process. The question in halacha is: If a person whose tameh met, which means he came in contact with the dead, and he's in the middle of a seven-day process, should he himself, uh, and the, sorry, and that person comes in contact also with the tumah of a sharetz, meaning the lower level of tumah, something that would cause him to be impure for one day, should a person, while he's in the seven days of impurity? but also has the one-day impurity, should a person go to the mikvah during the seven days to remove the status of the lower level of impurity? Is there, any, is there any usage of it? Is there any meaning to it? Does it do anything? Because it seems that it would remain tame. You still have the seven-day process. So why are you bothering yourself with what seemingly seems to be small stuff? And the halacha points us to a Mishnah in Mas- the third chapter in Masachet Brachot. And I believe it's in the third part, chapter of Masachet Brachot. What we see over there is that we have another situation where someone is a Zav and also becomes a Baal Keri. Now, in order to not get involved in the depth of this, because anyone that knows these concepts knows we're speaking about Impurities due to uh, omissions from, from a male body without getting too much into it. And there's different level statuses of what makes someone impure. But a high level of impurity, a tumachamura, is a, a zav, what's called a zav. And a balkari is someone who has is a lower status of tum'ah. And he, the, the question is, should a person that's in a higher status of tum'ah as well as a lower status of Tuma, should he go to the mikvah also in order to remove the lower status of Tuma while he remains still Tameh because of the larger picture and the answer the Mishnah says is yes, he should go to the mikvah, meaning to say that what a person has an obligation to go to the and, and purify themselves from a lower level of impurity and it doesn't mean he becomes fully pure. he's still Tame but he still has to take care of the smaller business as well. So now we go back to the Mishnah. The words marhamik Mitar et hatmeim says the Rebbe is an amazing thing that it's true a person tovels in a mikvah regarding things that are of lower status of impurity. Nahon? And they come out, and they're still Tameh because there is bigger business taking place. But what a what an amazing thing! Ashrei chem Israel, Rabbi Akiva says, "This is the greatest chiddush ever that a person can say." Whatever, I am. What is it? Why should I bother with trying to get rid of small addictions or small, smaller things when, in the big picture, I know I haven't taken care of the. Big deals in the real business. And Rabbi Akiva is saying, praiseworthy of you, Israel, that it's your father in Shemaim that's conducting the purification process. Because it's true, there may be no shortcuts, but there's value. There's so much value to every stop in the purification process, to every step towards purity even if it doesn't remove me completely from the Tameh, from the impure status, don't think for one second that it's meaningless. It's, it's completely not meaningless. The Rebbe says, mitzvah, gereret mitzvah. From the little bit of impurity that you remove from yourself, okay, now you'll have an, a stronger Yom Kippur and it'll be better. And slowly, slowly, you'll take on more and more things till eventually, one day, hopefully, there'll be a removal of the, the larger Tumas in our life. But what Rabbi Akiva is addressing is what you, most of us go through today, where we say to ourselves, unless I'm really a changed person, come on, come on, who am I kidding? Why am I, Why should I give any importance to small levels of change that don't really even change my, my purity status, even according to the halacha, but it, it's the Allah itself that tells you you have to tovil when you have momentary opportunities of removing lower levels of impurity, and that's a wondrous thing that only Shamid Barach could conduct such a thing, because humanly speaking, I'm either in or I'm out. Humanly speaking, if I owe someone hundred thousand dollars, and I come to them and I say, "Listen, all I all I got really is all I could give you right now is five grand." Humanly speaking, I'd be embarrassed to say such a thing. But the Rebbe Onishterim says, I'm so happy that you're at least admitting that, that you have something you owe. Of course, of course bring this. And you'll see, you'll want more. You'll want to give more and more and more. And that's a wonder that works in the world of impurity and impurity. And Yom Kippur is all about that day. You see, friends, the point of everything we're saying right now is as follows. It's a very important yesod, that that we must uh, incorporate in our understanding of who we are and how we march towards this day of Yom Kippur many of us are already thinking about how low of a, how much of a low we're going to have right after Yom Kippur we all know that you know we're not going to stay that high how long will it last so if i know already that it won't last so much why should I kill myself? Why should I drive myself crazy? And what Rabbi Akiva is saying is that Yiddishkeit is not a religion where we say, "Try to see if you've become a changed person or not." That's not. That's not a Jewish concept. And someone came to me after Shir and pointed out that the Rambam says, and it's only this is the only mitzvah where the Rambam says a person should try to do tshuva. It doesn't say by other halachas a person person should try to keep kosher, but by truly it says yishtadel, that that Hashem knows this, Hashem knows what kind of distracting world we live in. We forget, we think, well, Hashem created this perfect world, we messed it up, and now we have to like really one day get it together and become changed people. Hashem knows this. You don't have to become a changed person. You have to become a directed person. We have to become people that are on a path, that are walking towards somewhere. And every step of purity that I engage with, even the smallest of ones, reminds me who I am, what my path is all about, and that is how I march forward. That keeps my mind to be in a healthy, locked-in place. It is these types of small things Measurements. It's it's really a, a fascinating way of how this Mishnah, according to Rabbi, how, how the Rebbe points out, Rebbe Akiva's Chiddush here, how it's really showing us that Hashem notices all these things. The Ibn Hashem notices. He created. He's the, he's the only, Hashem is the only entity in the world that could create a status where it's true you're not fully out of jail, but even that little. Bit towards being out of jail really counts. You're still tameh. Ma'amik etat You're still tameh, but Ashreichem Israel, that this is part of the way that we become pure. You know one of the one of the greatest things, one of the greatest statements Rabbi Nachman of Braslov said, is is a famous statement. Abyssal is uh, what was the lashon. Rabbi Nachman says. Um, in Yiddish, if I remember the Yiddish, right? He said, um, abyssal is ach gut that even a little bit is good. Now, people sometimes think that means, oh, I'm going to make you feel good. You're, you're, you're such a wounded person. You're such a, you're such a, uh, you're, you're a nebuch. So what will we'll tell you a little bit is also good. Don't be too hard on yourself. That's not what it means. It means in the MS of life, Even a little bit of movement towards purity really is good. It actually is something that is a victory. It's part of Tshuva. You're right. You're not changed yet. You're not? The tables haven't turned. But one of the greatest things about Rabbi Nachman, I think, is that he was able to understand the tricks of the Yetzirah more than anyone. And when you look at Rabbi Nachman's road that he left for us, all the etzot that he left for us, all the incredible pearls of wisdom and guidance, which are more alive today than ever, you see Rabbi Nachman is helping us detect the voice of the Yetzir Hara in order to call it out in its core. So friends, let's, let's detect the voice of the Yetzir Hara when it, when it comes to a Jew that's thinking about doing tshuva. So Rabbi Nachman, in an amazing teaching, in Torah Ein Tet, the 79th teaching, in the Kutai Maran, Rabbi Nachman says to us, Holy Yid, and he says, Listen, what it sounds like is as follows. And I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing here, but this is what it sounds like. The voice of the Hara, which sounds so holy, is that it catches a Yid when he has a moment of wanting to be better, and it says to the Yid, Okay, now you'll finally get to do it. Get to do what? You'll get to do the mitzvah of tshuva. And what does the mitzvah of tshuva look like? That you are finally going to become a changed person. You're going to become a different person. And Rabbi Nachman says, that voice sounds so frum. It sounds so holy. It sounds so right. But at a certain point... You realize it's so crippling, it's so destructive, and it messes with my mind more than anything else. Because that voice is really saying, "You have to stop all your shlyot today, and you got to start making a huge difference in your life. Difference in your life because you may die tomorrow." And that's what that that's what the that's what that voice sounds like. But you know, it says in in in, the, in Gemara. Uh, Avodah Zarah gives us one of the most important mental health reminders that I, I feel like should be hung up in every single shul and school and classroom and bedroom. And It says, That means that the Rebona Shalom does not expect us to do things that are that we can't do, that are just bigger than us. He doesn't expect us to walk on walls. He doesn't expect us to become different people overnight. He doesn't expect us to stop all our stuyot today. He doesn't expect us to fix even with the strongest evil in ten days in tishrei. He doesn't expect us to fix it all. But what the rebbeinu expects us is to make notice of the small victories that we could do. And in Torah Ayin Rabbi Nachman says, "Yeshne minay Chuvot, There's two types of tshuva. Rabbi Nachman says there's a person, he's busy with masal, matan. That's a person that's busy in this world, like most of us. We're in this world, we're doing our thing, and yeah, boom, I have a here hur I have a moment of, of thinking I really want to be better. I want to get deeper, I want to fix something, I want to take on, take on something. And, and it's real in the moment. And then the next morning, it's like a fleeting thought, it, 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 it flew away. But Rabbi Nachman says, that's also a piece of tshuva. That I have moments of wanting to be better. Sometimes I hold on to them, sometimes I don't. It doesn't give me a lot of menucha in this world, because I'm constantly in between wanting to do good, trying, failing, but trying again. Um, and I think that many of us could give a lot of examples of stuff we've taken on already from this Rosh Chodesh Elu, this past one, or maybe this Aser Chuva. Tshuva. And I don't know how long it lasted, but, but they were real. They were real, Rebbe Nachman says. And it says, that's the tshuva of the six days of the week, where there's no menucha. So I heard from a great teacher of mine, of Erez Moshe Doron, explaining this piece in Rebbe Nachman, and he said, a person has to feel like a, a victorious warrior, that he's choosing not to have menucha in this world. Why don't we have rest in this world? not only because of the chatterbox that doesn't stop, but because we're constantly trying to make the most of the moments of awakening that we have, and they don't always last. But that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. You know, when, Hashem, we should all be blessed to live for many years and they'll ask us, you know, when we get up there, they'll ask us a bunch of questions. But the theme of most of the questions is kind of like, At a certain point did you check out and were you just a couch potato because you said what good is any of the small victories in light of the big picture or did you continue to try and even celebrate the fact that this is the dance of your life. So many of us have moments where we could have sworn that we were going to give up because of all the times I tried to take on something and it didn't go. And many people truly think that it's worth giving up than it is to stay in the game because no one ever told them toros like this from the Rebbe or from Rebbe Nachman and sometimes leading them to very, very dark and dangerous and scary, delusional places in their mind with with their concepts of God or the Torah and tshuva, in lo alenu, Hashem yirachim, some very dark places. But if we could really incorporate into our into our dance of Yiddishkeit, what we what we just shared right now, that the Torah itself provides a level of purity. That may be lower level, and I'm still maybe not completely fixed on the other side. But yet that that pocket is there, waiting for me, to take advantage of that. Ah, Ashrechem Yisrael, Ashrechem Yisrael. Rabbi Akiva's chiddush is the greatest chiddush ever because it's the chiddush of today, of this door. I don't think any of us really think or believe in our heart of hearts that the point of this period, and especially this period leading up to Yom Kippur, is that I become a tzaddik and I stay a tzaddik. No. Perhaps we could say clearest, the point of this Yom Kippur is to say Rabbi Nachman's words loud and clear, Rabbi only you know how badly I wish I could be a changed person. But what I believe, Ribbon more than you wanting me to become a changed person, is to become a person with all of my pekelach, with my bag, with all of the distractions and all of the successes, to be able to say, Ribbon I know that you believe that Abyssal is achgut. I know that you believe that. And then I take the Rebbe's words and say with, If a bissel is auch gut, then another noch a bissel is auch gut. Mitzvah gerer mitzvah. Then a bit more of good will come with a bit more of good. Will I ever reach a place that I'm finally fixed? And it's all over, game over? I don't know, and I don't think it's relevant, and I don't think it's healthy to think like this. So, Hashem, these I, I I pray, I hope that these are words that can be taken in very deeply, very strongly. To pay attention that a lot of the struggles that we have with mental health, some I'm not talking about things that are genetic. I'm not speaking about things that, like we said in the beginning of this segment, really need to be tended by a much uh, bigger scale of medical intervention. Which Baruch Hashem. We have the right people, and that that awareness will only become more and more. It's it's getting greater. It'll become greater and greater. But for many people, they all they have to remember what, a, what an incredible psychiatrist told me once. He said the healthiest person is the one that goes to sleep at night and says, "You know what? Today I gave it a shot. That's it. I gave it a shot." You know, if we could go into Yom Kippur, if we could leave Yom Kippur and say, hey, I gave it a shot. Maybe, maybe another element of menucha will be revealed within. And it will give me a year, not of that everything works out, but it will give me a year with, with, with this focus where I could say every single day, hey, I gave it a shot, and then I hear I hear the Rebbe giving over Rabbi Akiva to me. I hear Rabbi Nachman's Abyssal is Och gut, And they, those statements of the Tzaddikim become Chai V'kayim. They become my, my, my torch in this world. Gamar chatim atova, to each and every one of you.